Welcome everyone to the CEO.digital show. My name is Craig McCartney, and I'll be your host that's gonna guide you through an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C-suite. You'll hear insights will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders. We'll be interviewing a range of C-suite executives, those that are creating technology to those that are implementing it to support their businesses. Find out more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Today's guest is Joe Boswell, founder and director of Centiob. Joe has had a 27-year-long trailblazing career at BA. She's held a number of senior leadership roles in the customer experience and commercial functions, culminating in head of customer value management. She's led the successful transformation of the Nomi program that's embedded personalization into customer experience and service strategy at British Airways. She founded Centiob in 2018 to coach and support customer experience leaders from a variety of sectors to navigate their unique customer experience transformation challenges. And on that note, let's welcome Joe Boswell to the CEO.digital show. Thanks, Craig. I'm delighted to be invited to speak on the show. So let's get straight into your career highlights. And um, we've got a lot to discuss, but it'll be great just to hear about your personal journey. So I, I joined British Airways on a graduate trainee program, and it was a fantastic experience, really, for, right from the get-go. Um, it helped that I'm a really keen traveler, and I was just, you know, sort of fascinated with the whole airport environment and operations, and to find myself in the first few weeks sort of sitting in um, tugs, you know, pushing aircraft back and things like that actually was uh, was a dream for me. I got to, I had the opportunity to work overseas for British Airways. So I had a little spell in Paris, um, living in a flat on the left bank, which was uh, really nice. And also I had three and a half years in Copenhagen in Denmark, um, which was great fun living right by the sea. So I had, you know, that experience of working both at head office, but also overseas. And what can I say? I mean, BA really afforded me with a lot of really great opportunities some great people to work with. Um, highlight of, a, of the career, definitely getting to travel on Concorde, um, which I did quite a few times. Most amazing experience. Um, and, you know, obviously the travel perks have been very high up there in <laughs> a list of reasons why I probably stayed um, 27 years. So yeah, it was a, it was a really great time. And you ended up um, delivering a, a big transformation or customer experience transformation project there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that you know, high level? Yes. So the context to that was that the airline, I think, historically had had a lot of its success on the basis of investing in innovative new products. So, you know, BA was the first to introduce a flatbed in first class and then in business class. And for many years, you know, that combined with the power of the frequent flyer program um, had really been, you know, sort of underpinning BA's success, particularly with premium travellers. But I think 
we were at a point in our history where there was a realization that um, whilst the products on board were still really good, they were never going to be best in class because there were a lot of new competitors who'd come along with some very deep pockets and were putting showers on board and, and so on. So that fight to kind of have product advantage was increasingly competitive. And in the business plan, it felt that actually the USP that BA could hold was around service and particularly around delivering personalized service. And so the NOMI program was set up to really provide um, the underpinning foundations of how we would be able to enable that as um, you know, a big global airline that had millions of customers and was serving them um, in, in lots of different channels in you know busy airport operational environments and so the the program uh, at the outset was very much looking at how could we harness data and technology to reproduce that feeling of customer intimacy across all of those millions of of customer interactions the longer the program went on, the more we realized that actually it's really less about the data and the technology and much more about how do you drive that kind of cultural transformation. So the, the program, you know, culminated in getting not only the data and the tech in place, but also the governance, um, the business processes, and, you know, very much look at how to ensure that people you know, all of the colleagues that were required to, you know, behave differently and and use the data differently had the confidence and the skill sets to do that. Um, So it was as, you know, very much more of a, a, ultimately a sort of cultural transformation than it was about implementing data and technology. Yeah, I think that would be probably make it a little bit tougher because like you say, that's probably the hardest part of that transformation project. And then that experience, that took you on to opening up your own consultancy, dealing and and helping customers with their sort of customer experience transformation. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're getting up to at CentiOB? Yes. Well, when I was delivering the NOMI program at British Airways, we spent quite a bit of time looking outside of BA to um, identify and learn from best practice elsewhere. And what I really discovered as we reached out to other organizations that were um, attempting that kind of transformation is that actually we were quite a long way ahead of the curve, um, which I hadn't expected. And Um, What I realized is that whilst some organizations were doing great things in one or two channels, very few organizations were really truly delivering that kind of omni-channel experience across multiple channels where, you know, in a complex operating environment where there is a lot of human-to-human interaction as well as digital interactions. And so I felt really that I had having had that lived experience and that practical experience of understanding the leadership challenges that it takes um, to bring those kinds of changes in an organization as complex as British Airways, um, it felt to me that, you know, there was a niche there really for um, a consultancy with someone that has that practical experience and that pragmatic experience of having led that kind of organizational change to help other organizations that um, are facing similar challenges. And 
it is interesting that the companies that I work with, regardless of the industry sector that they're in, if they're in a business that has sort of grown up pre the digital age, then very often um, the biggest challenge is actually overcoming the legacy systems and thinking and organizational design, which tends to be very functional. It tends to be around those different channels. And, and it's actually one of the things that's working against um, the ability to, you know, create that joined up customer conversation that, that we know is what makes for great customer experiences. Yeah. And who are the people, you know, in terms of your clients, are, are they sort of marketing focused? Is there sort of a technology side? Is it coming straight from the sort of top level CEO? Who are the people wanting to make those changes? Who do you deal with? Yeah, it's, it's a variety. So um, I work as both um, a consultant and a coach. So, you know, at the coaching level, then very often that is at a a sort of senior manager level, um, helping, you know, the person that's kind of got the delegated responsibility to implement those changes, um, helping them to navigate their way through some of the, you know, let's face it, political challenges that you come across in, in trying to, you know, create that organizational change and um, to garner that the inevitable collaboration that you need to succeed, you know, where, where you're working across, you know, lots of different organizational departments and functions. But I'm also engaged to inspire, you know, at a board level, to inspire boards um, to, to think about, uh, you know, what it is that they need to put in place if they want to improve customer experience and, and think about, you know, the, the building blocks, what's the vision, what do they need to pay attention to? So I can kind of be engaged, you know, right at that sort of visionary start where they're, you know, they're envisaging um, the changes that they want to make through to then actually helping and guiding them along the way. Which uh, C-level execs do you get the most resistance from when it comes to the customer experience? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it really depends on the organization and the starting point. I think one of the biggest challenges tends to be where somebody hasn't been involved in the decision to get going. And so um, then in essence, you're kind of getting the not invented here, not my priority, not my, my KPI reaction. And so you know, that does tend to be something that I focus on a lot with the clients that I work with is getting that cross um, C-suite buy-in right from the get-go and thinking about um, how to translate the ambition into terms, you know, that that that, that um, C-suite level will buy into. And, you know, with the CFO, then clearly that has to be around the numbers, right? You know, how is this going to affect uh, the bottom line rather than painting, you know, some fluffy vision of, you know, how great the customer experience is going to be. And, you know, that that kind of storytelling is is really important with all of the C-suite, but ultimately it comes down to, you know, does the story resonate in terms that the CFO or the IT director will buy into? So I actually think one of the um 
one of the most important things um, for a customer experience leader to do is really think about how are they going to make the message relevant for the audience, right? That's what we're thinking about all, all of the time with customers. That's just as important internally. So, you know, translating um, the story into something that's really going to be relevant for those different audiences, um, I think is really key. Yeah, I guess it's a nice segue to my next question because we spoke about sort of leadership behaviors uh, for successful transformation yes. within customer experience. And you, you've you got about sort of five key leadership behaviors. Do you want to expand on some of those? Yeah, absolutely. So after my time at BA and leading the NOMI program, I kind of reflected on what I felt had been the elements that were most crucial for, for my success in that role. And, and I kind of came up with this framework, which is very much about the, the leadership capabilities rather than specific customer experience, knowledge and skill set. Um, so the first is focus on results and make them commercially relevant. And the premise here is actually if you're, if you're asked to kind of deliver some customer experience improvements, the organization may have quite a short attention span, <laughs> you know, so it, it may be that, you, that you've got some traction um, and, and potentially some investment, um, but you really don't know how long the runway is going to be before, you know, the, the organization loses interest. So finding a way of getting some quick wins and making those results really commercially relevant is the thing that will get you noticed by the C-suite, by the board, and will give you that sort of ongoing permission to, to continue. Um, the second is around overcoming resistance. So, you know, we touched earlier on not invented here, not my KPI, and so on. And it's inevitable that a customer experience leader is, in effect, trying to get multiple divisions in the organization to collaborate together and you know, I, I talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of organizations are sort of set up and managed around channels and functions. And it, very often you're going to find, you know, those channel leaders can be quite territorial and, you know, they want, they want ownership. They might want ownership of their own customer data and not share it. So kind of overcoming, finding ways of overcoming those little um, pockets of resistance is key. Third one is driving internal engagement. So again, we touched on that. Um, you know, how do you convince the C-suite? How do you make those messages relevant? But internal engagement is about landing those messages at all levels in the organization so that, um, you know, really the, the change that you're driving becomes part of the internal corporate narrative. And everybody that is affected by those changes and that has dealings with customers has the confidence and skills and they know, you know, how to affect that change. Um, the fourth one is implementing the right governance. So um, there is no organizational design really that is ideal <laughs> and customer experience kind of touches every single part of, of the organization. So, it's essential to work out how you're going to prioritize different customer initiatives um, and make trade-offs, you know, around those investment priorities at a customer level and how you're going to assess what the customer priorities are. And, you know, that, that usually comes about with some, you know, some fairly rigorous governance. And, the final sort of leadership skill really is around personal resilience. 
<laughs> because I think, you know, from, from listing some of those other things, I think there are some significant leadership challenges um, that come with working in this cross-organizational way that is trying to drive collaboration where that isn't necessarily underpinned by uh, individual departments, KPIs and objectives. Um, so a very, you know, fi- finding ways to bolster um, and train your your personal resilience muscle, I think is is pretty important. Yeah, and I think you you mentioned storytelling, and I think that must be such a vital part of the role because, like yes. you say, you got to you got to tell the story in five or six different ways so that people yes. buy into it. Yeah, I think the C level buy in again very important I, for anyone implementing big customer experience. If you don't have that buy in, like you say, not yeah. my problem, not my priority. Let's. Yeah, that must be. Yeah, that those are. The key key yeah. uh, elements. Wow, and, okay. and the tone really needs to be set from the top. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. really hard if you don't have that support. Yeah, and then what about organisations that are that have a lot of legacy or um, maybe digital native um, organisations as well? How are they approaching customer experience, and are they their challenges the same as you know, sort of a, a more innovative or maybe a, a newer organisation? Well. Um, I think the interesting thing is that whilst the key to success with customer experience is very much around driving the right culture, and in in that sense, I think the challenges are the same for digitally native organizations as for those that are are overcoming um, kind of those legacy issues, I think that um, the hard thing for uh, legacy organizations is the fact that they are, you know, they have processes that have been enshrined in the way they do business for decades, you know, long before the internet came along, long before, you know, these advanced data techniques came along and so on. So they're, they're kind of, their starting point just isn't the same um, as for digitally native organizations that have the the benefit of that that blank sheet of paper and creating you know, really creating those processes, creating um, the data from from scratch. So, you know, whilst I think that obviously on, on both sides, they need to think about, you know, how to ensure that they're driving the right culture, that customer facing colleagues really feel empowered and have the responsibility and the motivation to want to address Uh, the customer in the right way and to resolve things proactively for the customer you know those are all very much about kind of the you know the cultural values of the organization but having said that I think you know digitally native organizations have the advantage of you know they're, they're starting from scratch in an era where actually the technology and data and the techniques to harness insights from the data are you know much more performant and and they're not having to deal with those legacy data issues and and cleaning things up and you know unpicking all the spaghetti that's been created over decades so it's a good uh, good way to describe it spaghetti um so okay great and then in terms of like a, if you could share like a golden nugget i think we've shared a couple already but if you're looking at you know we've got we've probably got some aspiring cx leaders listening in on the show and maybe some people are already there at the top i mean if if there's any sort of a big takeaway with regards to implementing a big customer experience project 
you know, would you be able to summarize one golden nuggets for, I mean, that must be very tricky. I'm putting in a, a difficult <laughs> position here, but. Yes. Well, I, I would say it is to make that internal engagement your number one priority. And, um, and I think very often, and, and what I see happen with, with some of the uh, clients that I work with is that, you know, because some of the data and technology challenges are so they, they feel so humongous <laughs> that a lot of energy um, and, and time is spent on those issues and, you know, worrying about how to get that right and, and so on. But actually, really, as a customer experience leader, you need to spend an inordinate amount of time. No amount of time is ever going to be enough um, driving that internal engagement. And I, I think sometimes that feels like it's not it, it's not, you know, it can, it can often feel like that's not the most important part because it's, you know, it's less tangible. But actually, in terms of driving the success of the program, I think it's um, of paramount importance, not least because of that highly cross-functional and collaborative nature of, of customer experience. And, uh, you know, where, whereas other leaders may be able to drive transformations kind of to a certain degree in isolation of the rest of the organization. It's impossible to succeed with a customer experience initiative unless you are able to get that cross-functional collaboration. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting from this conversation is we haven't even touched on or spoken about technology you know, we're talking about transformation. We haven't, we're just talking about people. Yes. Um, obviously, people are key to that transformation. Technology is important. Where on, on your radar, you know, how does it fit in? Yeah. Um, and have you seen any really good sort of CX technology out there currently? Yeah. So I think technology is key. It's a great enabler, obviously, of, you know, removing. Uh, removing friction and enabling that kind of relevant, contextual, personalized um, experience that, um, you know, feels a lot more intuitive. Um, so I, th I think it is a really important enabler, but I see it very often quite poorly implemented because I think um, organizations get a little bit seduced by things that they can do and they slightly lose sight of well, how is that going to um, affect an improved customer outcome? You know, so don't just create an app because you can create an app. You know, the app needs to do something really useful um, for me. So, um, you know, I, you know, recently I, um, you know, I filled up at Shell with, you know, the fuel and go, the app, you know, I didn't even actually, because my husband was filling up the car, I didn't even need to get out of the car. I was just, you know, pressing the buttons on my, my mobile on a, on a sort of rainy, wintry um, December day, you know, that's, that's a real bonus for me, you know, equally M&S have just recently come out with scan and scan and shop, you know, and um, that's oh, almost, on your phone. Yeah, so you, you okay. just you know I I, I use MS Food Hall um, that's local to me quite quite frequently, and you can go in and just scan the items as you're putting them into your basket, and and then walk out of the shop and pay that you know pay through the app. It feels a little bit like shoplifting. It's slightly counterintuitive, <laughs> but you know those sorts of things that um you know effectively are you know saving saving me time and and making you know making my time more efficient. Um, 
uh, are really great examples of technology. But you know, I think I think there are also lots of really um, really bad examples. And you know, I think we've seen interestingly during the pandemic, we've seen a rush to digital channels and a rush to people sort of you know trying to implement chatbots and things like that and I, I find them I you know I don't know about your experience Craig but for me they are very more hit um miss than hit you know um, I, I get very frustrated with those those sorts of experiences and I usually end up phoning anyway <laughs> yeah yeah we uh that is the default I know you go to a website now and you got to say you know allow all the cookies you know dismiss the chatbot and then by the time you've completed all those actions you kind of forgot why you're there in the first place <laughs> uh so you know funnily enough I was going to ask you what are you know what companies are doing it well but you you have just mentioned a couple there mainly sort of app-based uh app-based technology is yeah. anyone else like from a you know you know customer experience perspective that's impressed you lately well, my my sort of two go-to brands that have, you know, been up there for a long time for me are firstly First Direct. Um, I've been banking with them since since 1994, and I think that they are outstanding actually at how they integrate all their channels, but still, you know, still deliver that really consistent and very, very human and empathetic um, customer service when you interact with them one to one, and and the other is Ocado, who you know I think um, are, are really fantastic with you know their website app and and then how they it, integrate that with service and how they make uh, how they rectify you know the little problems that can go wrong. They're they're super proactive um, at that. Um, but interestingly, you know they, they're both examples of you know, relatively, relatively digitally native organizations. So, um, and, you know, qu quite a simple um, operating model in terms of the number of channels um, that they're dealing with customers through. So, and I, you know, I think the um, the latest research from KPMG Nunwood, who look at customer experience, um, you know, the customer experience stars, interestingly, it's, you know, it's largely digitally native, organizations that are rising to you know the the top of the list so i think number one in their list was starling bank so you know that's it's quite interesting to see that you know it's it's those sort of digitally first um experiences that's that appear to be winning out and i think challenge for for legacy businesses is right how do you how do you continue to compete um you know when you've got these new kids on the block yeah i mean going back to our ocado I don't know if it's just me, but even the delivery people from Ocado just seem very nice. They just seem yeah. very lovely, always smiling, yeah. always very helpful. And it's, you know, it's from ordering online or on the app to getting yeah. the, the delivered to your door. It's all part of that same experience, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of customer experience and what's happening now, we can't avoid uh, talking about COVID. You know, I, how... In terms of COVID, how do you think that's impacted? You've mentioned it, but how do you think it's impacted what companies are trying to do now in terms of customer experience? And well, I'll just I'll pause there, and I've got a follow up question to that. Okay, so um, yeah, so I mentioned earlier the the rush of a lot of companies to developing um, digital channels, and and I think that. You know, whilst some have had, you know, some good successes and, and have probably accelerated their their digital journey, um, you know, by being effectively forced to to, to do that, 
Um, what they haven't paid attention to is how do they integrate you know, those new ways of, of reaching customers into the overall experience. And what I still see um, as, uh, you know, an area that very few companies have, have really succeeded at, at doing this is how you integrate all of those different channels of communication into a comprehensive and coherent um, customer conversation in essence so you know where uh if if a customer sort of starts an interaction um, or a transaction in one channel that they can move seamlessly into another and and not have to kind of go back to the beginning so i think that's thinking about how you move from being sort of effectively multi-channel <laughs> to truly omni-channel in that consistent way i think is is really now an imperative for a lot of organizations and um you know customers are just increasingly impatient when they're made to sort of go back to the beginning and repeat themselves so i i think that really needs to be an area of focus and, and working out how to orchestrate a more joined up and sort of seamless conversation is consistent across all of those different channels of interaction great and in terms of um so we talk a lot about the customer experience and that seems to be the focus but there's this huge um well drive now to improving the employee experience as well so yeah you guys are, you're, you're we're all customers but we're yeah. also employees and we're now demanding the same things of our employees in terms of the experience that they delivered to us because we're all working from home and you know you're yeah. hybrid working all that stuff are you is your role sort of is it blurring now between the two are you helping businesses with that or is that sort of on the remit yeah, I would say that it, that's probably always been uh, a really important way of underpinning customer experience. And um, I mean, interestingly, actually, when I was at British Airways, we did some research to uh, map the customer pain points with employee pain points. Um, and, and, you know, seeing the correlation there was was really interesting. And um I mean, certainly, you know, when we when we think about how data and technology can enable better customer outcomes, very often, you know, that is about enabling a better employee experience in order to be able to serve the customer. If that is delivered, you know, in the right way to colleagues who are interacting with customers and they've got the confidence, you know, they've been trained and they know, you know, and, and feel empowered um, to, to use the information in the right way, then that can be a very powerful thing. Um, but it can go wrong, you know, when it's not, you know, it can go spectacularly wrong, actually, if, you know, if, if uh, colleagues aren't trained, actually, to, you know, deliver that with confidence and, and, and know what is expected of them. And, and I think certainly, you know, with people working from home, that's probably placed even more pressure on, um, on those colleagues, you know, who are answering calls to customers that, you know, are probably themselves under a lot of stress and very anxious. And, you know, I think, I think it's made it even more important um, to, you know, to be for the, for the employee to be able to join up the conversation for the customer, because otherwise, you know, they're, they're the ones in the front line facing the ire of the customer is being asked to repeat, you know, repeat their story for the fourth yeah. or fifth time. 
Wow, I've never thought about that. I mean, doing handling that in your you know in your room in isolation it yeah. must take its tollers on you as well. And Absolutely, the, yeah. mental health um, issues and things like that can arise. Wow. So it sounds like you were doing employee experience before it was cool. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're way ahead of the curve there. Now I don't want to talk about British Airways too much um, because I know um, you know it's something you've moved on from. I know it's still very close to your heart, but how? In terms of the pandemic, I mean, the travel industry was hardest hit. Well, you know, a lot of industry, but but definitely travel. Yeah. Do you know how? Do you have any sort of uh, insider stories? Not insider stories, but um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. How do you think they've coped with it, and uh, has it had a, a really uh, bad impact on on them as a business that you know of? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, the airline industry overall, uh, you know, has. Uh, I mean just it's it's had a dramatic effect and you know I, I speak from um the experience of having lived through the the aftermath of 9-11 on the airline industry you know huge huge spike in 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 oil prices in the early 2000s you know volcanic eruptions that had uh you know global um airline fleets grounded for you know sort of about 10 days I think it was uh, you know, I lived through um, a, a lot of the troughs <laughs> in the in the airline industry, but I think certainly, um, you know, this pandemic has has just been um, I know unprecedented is an over overused word, but but really, you know, I, I felt very much for my colleagues who were still with British Airways. Um, I mean, obviously, they have massively reduced costs by reducing capacity and had a lot of staff on on furlough and so on. I think what's been really, really hard is the sort of stop-start nature of trying to get back to normal. Um, you know, there are some little green shoots and no sooner have they appeared than it's, you know, same with the hospitality industry, really. I think that's, that's also been um, really, really hard. But you know, I, I do think that actually I'm certain BA will rebound and I know they're in good hands, but um, I, I think customer experience is going to be key in how they rebuild because I think that there is so much additional reassurance and information that customers now need when they travel um, because, you know, the pandemic and the different um uh rules that are in place for different countries uh just make the whole business of traveling you know a lot more stressful and uncertain and so i think you know the the ability to be able to provide that information and reassurance at the right points in the journey um is it, you know is really going to help give customers confidence to you know to get back on board and to make those bookings yeah I've been traveling recently and from a customer experience perspective, all the documentation, all the tests and stuff has yeah. been incredibly stressful. Yes. Uh, so if someone could just nail that for us, um, yeah. I think we'd all be very grateful as well. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, and let's, we, we are we're sort of not running out of time, but I just want to get through to the next section. We haven't really spoken about artificial intelligence within customer experience. Um, I wanted to see what your sort of views were on that. Um, you know, if you're seeing it being used well, and and how AI can really help uh, to to support that sort of um, you know cohesive customer experience in organisations. What's your view 
on that sort yeah. of technology? So I think, um, you know, there are, there are aspects of, of AI like machine learning and so on that have um, that offers the ability to, to really make um, great sense out of vast swathes of data um, that, that previously weren't possible. And I think that's absolutely crucial for um, helping organizations work out what is relevant messaging to, you know, to different types of customers. Um, and I also think that um, some of the... Uh, opportunities that are afforded by techniques like natural language processing um, provide some some great opportunities to kind of harness um, sentiment analysis from unstructured data in a way that you know previously just wasn't possible. And um, you know, I've started to see um, some some great ways that that's being used in in financial services. Um, and I, you know, I'm really excited actually about the opportunity that that can afford to derive, you know, sort of listening signals from all kinds of data in a way that I think will be able to supplement and enhance, you know, traditional survey data and voice of the voice of the customer type approaches. So, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, um, who, you know, who does that really well. <laughs> in the future. Great. Well, yeah, I wanted to touch on it. Um, I'm sure we could probably do a whole podcast on yeah. um, AI within customer experience. Well, I do we, see... I mean, we first met when we were talking about empathy and customer experience, weren't we? And, and how AI actually can enable that kind of empathetic response from a, from a company. And I think that's a really interesting point. It's, you know, if you focus on how it can make those in, those digital interactions actually more human in a way that's you know that that's a great um way of harnessing the the possibilities with ai yeah when it works well you you forget that you are speaking to you know robots or yeah. uh, pieces of software and yeah. Uh, yeah when you start seeing it like that and i think if it can help translate to then the the human side like you're saying like if you get to speak to someone and you've gone through all this rigmarole you've repeated yourself you're frustrated yeah you know, the other person needs to have that information to hand as well to sort of help you mm. and so you do yeah it's a it's an interesting it's a balance i think yeah day. so great um joe we've come nearly to the end of our session um it's been very useful i've definitely learned a few things um hopefully our listeners will too i wanted to just talk um let's get a bit more personal um about joe uh, <laughs> and find out a few things about you and uh, to make this um, episode a bit more human as well mm -hmm. so we've got a couple of fun questions uh, and we'll um you know we can just talk i won't go through all of them but I'll go through our, the main ones that we always ask our guests. Okay. Do you have a, uh, a guilty technology pleasure? <laughs> so I think uh, my favorite gadget is actually our Nest device um, because there's nothing, um, I, I think there's nothing more self-indulgent than being able to switch your heating on <laughs> from a distance <laughs> when you're on, the, on your way home from holiday and you don't want to walk into a cold house. <laughs> Wow. Have you got everything? What's sort of connected on the Nest device? Um, so, no, the Nest, our Nest device is is just for the central heating. Oh, okay. um, but I just love the fact, I love the fact that I can control it remotely, you know, and it's just, yeah. uh, then I just need to remember to, to switch it on. 
before we get home. I know. I'm, I'm trying to train my six-year-old now the use of the rate, well, the, the thermostat, but it's not working too well. Maybe I should invest in the nest. And uh, how would your, what would your friends say you do versus what your family says you do versus, I guess, what your clients say you do? So I think my family just, you know, they, they struggle sometimes to understand this customer experience thing. So they're like, is that is that customer service? And I'm like, well, that's kind of part of it, but that's not all of it. So they they understand that I help organizations improve their experience. And um, I guess clients that I work with, um, you know, get that I've got that, that that I that I bring that um, that lived pragmatic experience and um, uh, you know what what really pleases me is when they have a, a light bulb moment and they they suddenly see a way um, around one of the challenges that they've been facing. So I guess they would probably see me as a bit of a problem solver. <laughs> yeah, great. And then in terms of, um, I mean, everyone's been uh, binge watching telly at the moment. I think the goal is now to watch less telly for at least for myself this year. Yeah. But have you watched anything good lately on, say, Netflix right now? Well, I tend to be more of an Amazon Prime <laughs> watcher, to be honest. And okay. um, uh, my husband, who's German, he's really into like Scandi you know, sort of detective series and so yeah, on. Yeah. So, yeah, Nor we, we've been watching recently, we've been watching Nordic Murders. Um, okay. That's on Channel 4, actually. But um, <laughs> but, I, but I did read, so my, my favourite series last year that I binge watched was Call My Agents. Yeah, and I love that, yeah. I have heard that they're going to make an English version, so I'm super <laughs> excited about that. Oh, great. Yeah, that was really good, actually. Yeah. And then any good books? Have you read anything decent that's worth uh, worth us picking up as well? Yeah. So my last holiday I read, I'm quite a big fan of Louis de Bernier um, ever since I read Captain Corelli's Mandolin. And um, I recently read The Dust That Falls From Dreams, which is a novel of his that is set it's about three daughters growing up um, just before the First World War and then, you know, in effect how their how their lives change, um, you know, during the course of the war and so on. But it's, yeah, fantastically poetic in a way that Louis de Bernier usually is. So I can recommend it. I will hopefully add it to my list. One thing about working from home is I don't get to read as much and yeah. find if I if I do read while lying down, I'm literally two or three pages and I'm fast yeah, asleep. I, I know. I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, thank you so much for your time. Like I said, it's been very interesting. I've loved uh, speaking to you and interviewing you. I know we've we've done a couple of events together in the past, which again I've seen such a good reaction, you know, to to hearing you speak and and how uh, people interact with you. So it's been great to spend this hour with you. Um, so thank you. My, my pleasure, Craig. And I'll just mention that I have, there's a free download of my CX Altitude Leadership Behaviours. Um, I have a self-assessment form. If anyone is sort of interested in thinking, oh, you know, that sounds interesting and I wonder how, how I rate what I might need to focus on, I will give you a link that um, yeah. you can include. And if anybody's interested, they can go to cxaltitude.com and, and download that resource. Yeah. That's perfect. Thank you, Joe. I was going to ask you if you wanted to include anything like that. Um, we will have a, a page live with this podcast. We'll do like a summary. We'll include any relevant links yeah, that you send across. So um, hopefully uh, people can take, well, uh, engage with that and, and find out uh, a little bit of uh, useful information. 
So yeah, that brings us to the end of this episode of the CEO.digital show. Please do like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and I always forget one, but uh, I'm sure if you listen to podcasts, you'll know where to um, find them. So thank you very much. My pleasure, Craig. Thank you.